I will tell you how uh, this got started. Uh, this evening, we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the life of Frederick Douglass. Uh, if you turn over in your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 5, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, uh, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, uh, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so uh, this evening, we're going to uh, just kind of uh, talk a little bit about the life of Frederick Douglass, talk about uh, some of his writings, uh, why, why I think he, uh, he is important uh, specifically for this generation, uh, for this day. Uh, we will uh, discuss uh, a little bit about uh, his, uh, how he uh, thrived through adversity. Uh, and so uh, turn over to uh, Philippians 3.14, Philippians 3.14. Paul writes, I press toward the mark uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his testimony of helping others uh, and putting, really putting others before himself, uh, and you'll hear that in his testimony. Uh, look over at uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2. says, uh, verse number four, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Frederick Douglass had a great respect for the Constitution of the United States. And uh, he actually uh, uh, wrote a, uh, had uh, several writings about the Constitution uh, of the United States. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and you can find uh, about the respect uh, we should have for government uh, over in Romans 13. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, his respect for life uh, and the, uh, the, the sanctity of life, the, the value of life. Uh, turn over to Genesis 127. Genesis 127. Bible says, so God created man in his own image, in his image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Uh, we'll talk about uh, his belief and uh, the, the limited power uh, and the limited government uh, and, and the impact that that plays uh, on our lives. Uh, look at Psalms 22, Psalms 22. And look at verse number 28. It says, for the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. Uh, turn over to Psalms 47. Psalms 47, verse 2. It says, For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. Uh, and then we're going to talk about his uh, belief in personal responsibility. His belief in personal responsibility. Uh, Genesis chapter 4. And look at verse number seven. Genesis four, verse seven. The Bible says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. 
And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And so uh, we'll, we'll go through the, uh, the life uh, of Frederick Douglass. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, consistently, constantly uh, throughout his writings, uh, he speaks on these, these four uh, values, uh, the respect of life, uh, the uh, respect of the Constitution, uh, his belief in uh, the limited power of government and his belief in personal responsibility. Um, I think Frederick Douglass, uh, his, he, he kind of embodies four people uh, throughout in the Bible. Um, first, uh, he, he is kind of a, a parallels the life of Joseph. Uh, remember that Joseph, uh, too, was a slave, uh, and Joseph uh, ended up... Uh, you know, was sold into slavery by his brothers, and, and Joseph ends up becoming the second uh, most powerful person in Egypt, uh, where Frederick Douglass, uh, he was born into slavery, and Frederick Douglass uh, ends up becoming uh, an advisor to five uh, presidents uh, and, and just uh, a leader uh, of that time period, uh, probably uh, one of the most popular and recognizable people uh, of the uh, 19th century. Um, he also uh, parallels the life of Moses. Uh, Douglas, uh, re remember uh, Moses, you know, he led his people uh, from the land of Egypt. Uh, and so, so too did Douglas uh, lead his people uh, to freedom, uh, just like Moses. Uh, Douglas parallels the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a, a great writer. Uh, Frederick Douglas was uh, the most, um, he was the, most published writer of the 19th century. Uh, and that's very surprising because uh, he competed, uh, he just beat out Mark Twain, uh, who was a great writer as well. Uh, but Frederick Douglass actually, uh, he, he cheated a little bit because he had a newspaper. And so uh, he uh, was a great writer, uh, the same as the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was also, the Apostle Paul was the messenger to the Gentiles. And, and Frederick Douglass uh, was really a mess uh, messenger, uh, not to his, he was a messenger to his own people, but he was uh, definitely a messenger uh, to, uh, to uh, the people, uh, white people of that day uh, and the people of uh, power. Uh, and he uh, was just a great writer, and, so, and he was a messenger. And, so, and, and he crossed cultural barriers. Uh, the same way Paul crossed cultural barriers, uh, Frederick Douglass crossed cultural barriers uh, through his writing. And then uh, last but not least, uh, Frederick Douglass' life parallels that of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ, of course, uh, forgave us of our sins, uh, and we sinned so heavily against him. And Frederick Douglass uh, equally forgave uh, those that enslaved him uh, of their sins and, and personally forgave them. Uh, he went to visit uh, one of his slave owners on his deathbed, and, and we'll talk about uh, that this evening. Uh, and hopefully we'll get time to just kind of go over his life and then uh, open it up, uh, go over his values, and then open it up for a few questions. And so let us uh, say a quick word of prayer, and then we will start with his life. Uh, Father, I love you, and I'm thankful for uh, this time that you've given us together. Uh, thankful for the, uh, the insight that you've given us to uh, Frederick Douglass, this uh, Christian man. Uh, thank you for his godly heritage. Uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to see Christ uh, in his life and help us to uh, be able to pull out some of these values uh, that he uh, wrote, uh, wrote about in his life. And uh, I pray that you would guide me uh, in my words and 
uh, and just help everything that uh, you want said to be said and uh, that which you want not, uh, help it not to be said. Uh, we do thank you for all that you do. Thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, I, I started uh, studying about Frederick Douglass probably about uh, maybe six to seven months ago, uh, maybe probably a little longer now. Uh, uh, I finished up a book on uh, Booker T. Washington, and I was just so fascinated. Uh, how many of you guys have read uh, Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery? It, if you, there's two books that Booker T. Washington uh, has written. I think both of them are must-reads. Uh, there's one called Character Building, uh, and then the other one is up from slavery. Uh, and, you know, slavery can be, it, it can be a hard and uncomfortable topic. And, and particularly in the culture that we live in today, uh, there's a lot of uh, people that want to, you know, relive and relitigate uh, slavery. Uh, but slavery is, is something that we need to be comfortable talking about. Uh, it's part of history. Uh, we have learned from it. We have uh, moved past it. Uh, and so we, we need to uh, be able to uh, look at history, and, and particularly uh, men of that time period, men like Booker T. Washington, men like Frederick Douglass, and understand how did they thrive in life and getting past slavery. And so, and I think it's a, a value uh, for all of us to uh, take note of. And so uh, I, I started this, I read uh, Up From Slavery uh, and uh, Character Building by Booker T. Washington. I was just blown away with just some of the truths that were in that book. Uh, it led me to uh, uh, just kind of research uh, who Booker T's mentor was, and that was Frederick Douglass. Uh, Frederick, and actually we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, but after I started reading Frederick Douglass, I just probably even more became, you know, uh, just fascinated with his life. Uh, he was uh, just, uh, He's a person that we, we know very little about today, and, and it's, it's actually, it's pretty sad. I, I believe that Frederick Douglass is the quintessential American, uh, and, and that even beyond Andrew uh, um, Thomas Jefferson and, and George Washington, uh, he, he took their writing and he basically uh, showed why uh, their writing uh, and the, the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence uh, was true. And so, uh, and, and you say, how, how does a slave, you know, who, someone who doesn't have their own freedom, how do they do that? But he went and he evaluated the writing and he took it, uh, their words at face value. And so, uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, he was born in uh, February, uh, we believe February 14th, uh, 20, uh, 1818. Uh, he celebrated his birthday. No one knew uh, exactly when he was born, uh, but his, uh, when he was, uh, he was born, his mother was sold off uh, to a, a plantation that was uh, further down the road, about 12 miles away. Uh, that was kind of common practice uh, to break up those family units. Uh, and so his mother would come out and visit him. Uh, he only met his mother a handful of times on the, the third, uh, I th think around seven years of age, uh, he had this, uh, this memory of his mother bringing him uh, this heart-shaped uh, cake, and she called him My Little Valentine. And so uh, because of that, uh, Frederick Douglass uh, just associated that heart-shaped cake uh, with her calling him My Little Valentine with possibly he was born uh, on that day. Uh, he was born in uh, 
Eastern Shore, Maryland, uh, if you're familiar with that area, uh, it's the, uh, the far, um, it is the western uh, tip of that aisle that runs down. Uh, he was born in a, a town called Talbot County. Uh, this is also uh, where Harriet Tubman uh, came from. Uh, and so, and uh, there's a, a lot of uh, uh, great interaction uh, between Tubman and uh, uh, Douglas. Uh, and so, he was uh, born, he uh, was, because he was taken away from his mother, his grandmother, Betsy, actually raised him. Uh, he ended up going to the, the big plantation uh, when he was um, about seven years of age. Uh, this was a pretty traumatic experience for him uh, because uh, part, of, part of slavery was breaking up that family and trying to, uh, you know, have that control. And, and when his grandmother had to uh, give him up, uh, and leave him at the big plantation. Uh, she raised him uh, in a small little, uh, small little house uh, where all the small children were being raised. Uh, and the day that she had to leave him, uh, he talked about how she uh, tricked him and told him to go play with his friends. Uh, he was meeting a lot of his brothers and sisters for the first time. Uh, and she, she left him uh, playing and he was just uh, really torn up about this. And so um, he, uh, during those uh, next few years, uh, probably about three to four years, he grew up on the, uh, the, the Y plantation. Uh, and I apologize, I don't have the slides, but uh, the, if you can see this, the Y plantation actually still uh, exists today uh, and it's still owned by the same family. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was a 20 farm plantation. It had thousands of slaves. Uh, he grew up basically uh, milking cows. That was his responsibility. Uh, after he, uh, he, he uh, ends up getting sold to a guy named uh, uh, Hugh Ald, and Hugh Ald gives him uh, to his brother Thomas Ald as a gift. Uh, he was supposed to be a companion to uh, Thomas Ald's uh, son, or excuse me, Hugh Ald's son. Uh, I flipped that, and I often flip the name. So uh, Thomas Ald was uh, who owned Frederick Douglass. Uh, Hugh Ald, his brother, uh, lived in Baltimore. So Frederick Douglass goes to Baltimore uh, when he's about uh, 11, uh, 10, 11 years old uh, to be a companion of uh, this little boy. Uh, when Frederick Douglass is 13, uh, he, he has uh, this, uh, before I get there, uh, when Frederick Douglass, uh, uh, he begins to learn how to read uh, from uh, Sophia Ald, who is uh, Hugh Ald's wife. Uh, Sophia didn't realize kind of the culture of slavery, and so she begins to teach uh, Douglas a little bit about slavery. And when she uh, does, uh, Hugh Ald uh, realizes that this is a, a grave mistake. And so uh, he, he understood that if you taught a slave how to read, you would destroy them as a slave. And Douglas heard this, and he connected uh, reading with freedom. And so Douglas begins to develop this strategy. He takes a little bit that he learns from Sophia Ald, and he goes out and he actually starts tricking kids uh, to help uh, teach him how to read. And he, he took the little bit that he knew, and he would you know, kind of challenge him. I, I bet you I can uh, you know, know more than you. And he would get them to do the letters in the dirt, uh, or he would just uh, give them the little bit of food that he had. He would trade that uh, for lessons. And so he, he eventually, uh, uh, gains a grasp of, uh, of reading, 
And uh, once he does, uh, his life in Baltimore is just, uh, it's a lot different. And he talks about this later in uh, his writing, uh, how he was very thankful that he had that city life of being a slave versus uh, that country life, you know, where it's hard, the hardship and the beatings uh, come into place. And he was actually treated uh, fairly well by uh, Hugh Ald and his wife, uh, Sophia. And so uh, he ends up 13 years old. Uh, he ends up uh, meeting a guy named Charles Johnson. And uh, while he meets Charles Johnson, who is a black gentleman, uh, and he is a, a, a Christian, and uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, he's able to hear the gospel being preached at church. And his heart is convicted. And listen to his testimony here. Uh, Frederick says, uh, and he's talking about the pastor here, he thought that all men, great and small, bond and free, were sinners in the sight of God that they were by nature rebels against his government and that they must repent of their sins and be reconciled to God through Christ. I cannot say that I had a very distinct notion of what was required of me, but one thing I knew very well, I was wretched and no means of making myself otherwise. Moreover, I knew that I consulted a good colored man named Charles Johnson and in tones of holy affection, he told me to pray and what to pray for. I was, for weeks, a poor, broken-hearted mourner, traveling through the darkness and misery of doubts and fears. I finally found that change of heart, which comes by casting all one's cares upon God and by having faith in Jesus Christ as the Redeemer, the friend, and the Savior of those who diligently seek him. After this, I saw the, light, I saw the world in a whole new light. And, and that's an amazing testimony of salvation. Uh, and so uh, he gets saved when he's 13 years old. Uh, he, he lives in Baltimore for uh, a few more months and then he's sent back. Uh, he's starting to get big and strong and he's sent back uh, to uh, Thomas All. Uh, there's a falling out between Hugh and Thomas. Uh, so when he's sent back uh, to Thomas, he goes back to the plantation life. Uh, at this time, uh, uh, Thomas Hall's wife, uh, Lucretia, was uh, very kind to Douglas, and uh, Douglas actually uh, really appreciated uh, just the kind spirit. Uh, she, she smiled, she treated him like, uh, like a human being, and so he always, he, he remembered this. Uh, how, unfortunately, when he goes back to Thomas Hall, um, Lucretia has passed away, and some of that, you know, bitterness of, you know, being lonely and uh, that had crept in. And so uh, Douglas, uh, he had come from the city and he just, uh, him and Thomas Auld, uh, he refused to call Thomas Auld master. Uh, and so it was part of that, you know, that rebellion of being, uh, of understanding that he was fully aware that he was a slave. Uh, and he, he had a way of uh, really um, convicting, you know, just convicting people with his words. Uh, he talked about being a slave for life. And, and, uh, and the, even the kids that he was growing up with, they, they, they said, no, when you get old, uh, surely you'll get your freedom. And so, but he understood that uh, he, he was a piece of property. And so Frederick Douglass, uh, he's, uh, Thomas all tries to, you know, really gain control of Douglass. And he sends them to a guy named uh, Edward Covey. Uh, Edward Covey is, uh, he's called the slave breaker. Uh, Edward Covey ends up, uh, uh, just he sneaks he's very sneaky very sly uh, he has uh, that reputation uh, he has a small farm 
Uh, he makes money off of basically breaking slaves and getting slaves to be obedient. Uh, he, he beats Frederick for about six months. Frederick Douglass talks about the impact of this uh, on, his, on his mentality and how he, he was really defeated at that time. And so, uh, but one day the treatment gets so bad that uh, Douglas, uh, he, he ends up running off to Thomas Ald and he's asking Thomas Ald, he's, he's trying to appeal to his senses. Uh, he asked Thomas Ald uh, about uh, he, being that he's a piece of property, uh, would he want his property treated this way? And you know, Thomas Ald understands you know, slavery and understands the system. And so he sends them back uh, to Covey uh, this happens on like a Friday, Saturday. Uh, Douglas spends the night, and so he, he's able to, you know, gain some strength. And on his way back to Covey's, uh, plan, uh, Covey's farm, uh, he, he understands that he's probably going to get beat when he goes back. But he makes up in his mind at that time that he's just, he's going to fight. And, and so, and, and he talks about, he, he knew it could cause him, uh, cost him his life, but he talks about uh, that uh, he, wanted, he would fight. And so he talks about this being the turning point in his life as uh, he gets back to the farm uh, that Sunday, uh, Thomas Ald, actually, excuse me, uh, Edward Covey actually had more respect for the day uh, than he did for the man. And so he didn't uh, do anything on Sunday, but when Monday came around, uh, then he came to attack uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh, this, is, uh, Frederick, this was the turning point in Frederick Douglass's life. Uh, he says, I was, a change, uh, I was changed being after that I was uh, nothing before, uh, I was a man now. It recalled to life my crushed self-respect and my self-confidence and inspired me with a renewed determination to be a free man. A man without force is without the essential dignity of humanity. Human nature is so constituted that it cannot honor a helpless man, although it can uh, pity him. And even this, it cannot do long if the signs of power uh, do not arise. And so uh, Frederick Douglass ends up fighting uh, uh, Thomas uh, Edward Covey. He ends up fighting Edward, Edward Covey uh, for about two hours. Uh, two hours, they're just in this struggle. Uh, of course, if you think about the, the slave at that time was just uh, probably really strong and, and so had a lot of endurance from uh, you know, working all day. And so he, uh, he talked about he... Uh, was only defending himself and using self-defense, uh, but uh, when you later later on, there's uh, he he probably you know got some blows in. Uh, he talked about holding uh, Kobe's neck so tight that the blood just dripped down his neck, and so after about two hours of fighting, Kobe you know he he broke away and he muttered you know you need to take that whooping like you you know and and uh, you need to learn your lesson from it. And Frederick Douglass, you know, although he had the upper hand in that fight, he realized right then that, you know, Covey had to save face. And so uh, Douglass ends up, uh, he ends up taking this, uh, this situation and he realizes, uh, uh, he, his, one of his uh, great quotes, uh, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. Without struggle, there's no progress. And so uh, this is, this really kind of forms uh, a lot of his mentality against slavery. Uh, you, you have to meet uh, inhumanity, you know, he believed you had to meet inhumanity with, uh, with force. Uh, he talked about uh, later on in his writings, there's three things that protects uh, a person's uh, freedoms. Uh, the, the ballot box, uh, the jury box, and the cartridge uh, box. And so that was uh, one of his quotes where uh, if you, um, 
you know, your civil rights and uh, your civil liberties are protected through uh, those three uh, boxes. And so uh, he ends up uh, staying over at Kobe's house. Uh, he escapes uh, a few years later uh, when he's uh, 20 years old, uh, around 1838, he escapes uh, on the Underground Railroad. Uh, he had a failed attempt. Uh, the failed attempt really showed the brilliance of uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh, he uh, wrote his own documents of freedom uh, and he was going to escape by way of river. Uh, no one had ever thought about escaping by river. Uh, they, and the slave owners uh, believed that, you know, the river really protected them. And so they had uh, a lot of concern after that first failed attempt. Uh, fortunately, he wasn't caught in that failed attempt and he ends up uh, burning the papers and there was just no proof uh, that he, you know, was planning on escaping. Uh, he ends up escaping through the Underground uh, Railroad. Uh, he meets his wife, uh, Anna. Uh, he, he um, just to kind of fast forward, he goes back to Baltimore. He meets his wife, uh, Anna, who uh, is a free woman. Uh, she helps him to escape. Uh, Frederick and Anna were married for 42 years. Uh, they got married right after his escape in 1838, uh, and she passed away in 1880. Um, he, uh, the way he escapes uh, is, is actually, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, he, he ends up uh, getting the clothes of a sailor. He uh, uses the, uh, the paperwork, the documents of a sailor. It didn't match his description. And so, <laughs> a sailor, so uh, yeah. And so uh, uh, it, the documents didn't match his description. And so when he was challenged on the documents, uh, he talked about how he didn't carry his free papers with him. And he talked about, uh, and he kind of used the, the pride of the eagle. Uh, and so he said, this eagle should take me anywhere around the world. And when he said that, the uh, person just uh, really, uh, the person that was challenging him, you know, really thought, you know, no slave would know that. And so uh, they, they end up letting him go. Uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, he is a lot like Lincoln. Uh, he, he, one of his famous speeches, a, a self-made man, uh, and he talks about Lincoln in his speech. Uh, Frederick, uh, when he learned how to read, he, he just had a thirst for knowledge. Uh, a couple, one of the books that really shaped his uh, mind, and it also shaped Lincoln's mind, uh, was a book called The Columbia Orator. Uh, in that book, The Columbia Orator, it was basically excerpts of different historical events, uh, different philosophy and uh, theology and and so Frederick Douglass, uh, because he knew how to read, he was a great reader of the Bible. Uh, he, um, a, great, a great Christian. Uh, he has a great Christian testimony uh, throughout his writing. Uh, there are some liberal, um, um, liberal historians that uh, debate this, uh, but I think uh, if you read Frederick Douglass's, his words, uh, and don't, you know, uh, leave it, don't leave it to the writers, read his words, uh, you will see that uh, he was a great Christian. Um, and so the Columbia Orator really shaped his mind. Uh, it too also shaped, uh, uh, shaped Abraham Lincoln's mind. And, and it was amazing that both of those books uh, just shaped their, their childhood and, and kind of brought them, uh, uh, just sharpened their mind, uh, mindset. So real quick, because uh, I am short on time, uh, so Frederick Douglass, he, he ends up escaping. Um, he goes, uh, once he escapes, 
he goes to Massachusetts for a little while. Uh, he meets William Lloyd Garrison, who is uh, a famous abolitionist uh, of that day. Uh, he uh, goes on a speaking circuit, and he begins to start changing uh, minds about slavery. And, and specifically, uh, he begins to change minds about the capability and uh, the, ment the mental uh, capacity of, of a uh, black man. Um, I, I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I talked about one of his, um, one of his themes uh, that he writes about a lot is the respect for life. Uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, if you think about the, the pro-choice the pro, uh, pro uh, and the abortion debate, uh, I, it's almost framed in the same way of the slavery debate. Uh, when you talk about uh, the, um, the pro-choice movement, uh, versus the, it was the pro-choice movement back then for slavery too. One was uh, one is about states' rights, uh, the other is about a woman's right to choose. Uh, the, both both of those rights kind of ignore the rights of the victim, and so uh, also if you look at the the two parallels, uh, both of them on the pro. Uh, the pro-slavery, they looked at blacks as being less than uh, subhumans. Uh, on the pro-life part, they looked at uh, babies, you know, being fetuses, clumps of cells. You hear those arguments, and so they kind of uh, categorize them as both subhumans. And so uh, Frederick Douglass really uh, wanted to show the, the humanity of what a man was. He was the most photographed person of the 19th century. Uh, he, at the minimum, he took at least four uh, four photographs a year. Uh, if you search the internet, and uh, I have, um, I, I had a slide where he, he had, uh, <clears throat> you can almost see just the progression of age uh, for him. Uh, but he took four photographs a year, and he wanted to be photographed as a respectable man. Uh, and so he wanted to show the humanity. Uh, and so, and uh, and so it was, uh, you know, of course, he, he was a great, um, a great supporter of life. He was also a great supporter of women's rights. Uh, Frederick Douglass uh, was, uh, during that time, called a feminist. And so uh, he uh, spoke a lot. He was, one of the, he was the only man that was invited to speak at the, the great Seneca Falls uh, Convention uh, for Women's Suffrage. Uh, and... Uh, even the day, the day that he died, he was speaking on women's rights, uh, the women's right to vote. And, and so uh, he was uh, definitely uh, believed that people should have uh, individual rights. Um, he, uh, when Lincoln, uh, Frederick Douglass is responsible uh, for the uh, the 13th, uh, the 14th, and the 15th Amendment uh, being passed. Uh, the, the 13th Amendment, of course, is uh, uh, blacks receiving the right to vote. Uh, that was, I, I want to say, passed in April of uh, 1865. Uh, but before that, uh, Douglas went in to uh, speak with Lincoln in 1863. Uh, it's the, the start of the Civil War. Um, Douglas, uh, he, he owns a newspaper we talked about, the North Star, and he's, he's writing uh, about how, uh, you know, uh, blacks uh, needed to go out and, and join the Union uh, Army uh, and have the, the right uh, to fight. 
uh, he talks to Lincoln and he convinces Lincoln uh, to allow uh, blacks uh, to fight. Uh, he's responsible uh, for the recruiting of the 54th of Massachusetts. If any of you have ever seen that movie, Glory, uh, both of his sons fought in the 54th uh, and uh, at the Battle of Fort Wagner in uh, South Carolina. Uh, and because of that uh, great battle, uh, blacks were given the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to fight. Uh, he goes in in August of 1863, and he sits down with Lincoln, and they have a conversation. Uh, Lincoln uh, is, Lincoln's primary concern during that time is Lincoln wants to keep the Union together. Uh, that, that was the, the goal of Lincoln, that the Union would stay together. Uh, Lincoln actually, uh, to Frederick Douglass uh, this May, uh, in his first inaugural address, uh, he talks about uh, the... Uh, the fugitive, he upholds the Fugitive Slave Act, uh, which stated that if a slave escaped from the South up to the North, uh, that they could be captured and taken back to the South. Uh, Frederick Douglass was just furious about this, uh, but him and Lincoln had great respect for each other uh, because Lincoln uh, treated, him, uh, treated him like a man and actually listened to what he said, uh, listened to what he had to say. Uh, there, uh, in, eight, in August of 1863, uh, Douglas goes in and, and he talks to Lincoln, and Lincoln uh, believes that he's going to lose the next election. Uh, and so uh, what he, he has this plan and, uh, to send blacks into uh, the South, and, or excuse me, send the Union soldiers into the South and try to rescue as many uh, blacks as possible. Uh, this is where Harriet Tubman, uh, she actually leads one of those, uh, uh, those great escapes. Uh, and so, but Douglas convinces Lincoln that the Constitution, as it's written, gives him the authority uh, to uh, free the slaves. And uh, he, he talks about the, uh, the, when many people uh, talk about the Constitution and, you know, he, he wrote a, a paper on is the Constitution uh, pro-slavery or anti-slavery? Uh, the the two-thirds clause is what many people use uh, to try to uh, say that the Constitution is a uh, racist and a uh, pro-slavery document. Uh, what Douglas did was he actually analyzed this, and this was his great uh, break with uh, William Lloyd Garrison, uh, who did believe that the Constitution was a, uh, a racist document. Uh, Frederick Douglass goes to England, and he studies the Constitution along with the Federalist Papers, uh, he, he studies the writings of John Locke and, uh, and some of the writers of that time. And the determination that he comes up with is, uh, the, first of all, the, the Constitution never says that uh, a black is two-thirds of a person. Uh, what it says is, is that they would have uh, three-fifths of representation. And so it would deduct two-fifths of representation uh, from slave states. And so what Douglas came up, uh, came with the conclusion was that uh, the Constitution actually stood on the side of freedom more than it did slavery. Uh, the document in itself, uh, it, it was a document that supported freedom and it, it upheld and it, um, uh, it valued freedom more than it did slavery. And so when it deducted two-fifths of representation uh, from the southern states, uh, because those uh, and the, the black uh, men and women down there were not free, and so uh, I, I could I could go on uh, about uh, Frederick Douglass uh, and 
I'm trying to fit a lot of his life into a little bit of time. Uh, but what I, what I will say is, uh, you know, when I say Frederick Douglass speaks to every issue that's going on today in his writing, uh, he, speaks, he speaks to socialism. Uh, and so that's a big push going on in America right now. Frederick Douglass, uh, he specifically talked about uh, how a socialist speaker came uh, to speak before him. And uh, Frederick Douglass believed in uh, hard work. He believed in uh, the, the, the value of working, the value of uh, his, his speech, self-made men, uh, certainly uh, highlights that. His speech of uh, what, what to do with the black man. Uh, he, at the very end of that speech, after giving a long, uh, you know, a long uh, dissertation on, uh, you know, what the black man needs, uh, he says, you know, do nothing with them, leave them alone, let him, let him uh, rise and uh, uh, rise, stand on his own two feet. Uh, and so, uh, Frederick Douglass, he he writes uh, the um, Booker T. Washington uh, starts Tuskegee University because of Frederick Douglass's letter to Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uh, and it's very uh, fascinating. If you read that letter Douglass writes to Harriet Beecher Stowe, it really is the blueprint and the outline to Tuskegee University. And so, and, there, and if you read Up From Slavery, you will understand how much success Tuskegee University had uh, in that time period uh, in that era. Uh, last thing I'll close with, uh, so Douglass is, He's often compared, uh, or when you think of, you know, the, the black African-American heroes, uh, you, of course you think of Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X uh, is uh, certainly one that's uh, mentioned, uh, and then Booker T. Washington and probably W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, how Douglas uh, compares to those, uh, those men, uh, Douglas uh, definitely would have, uh, and in his writing it supports uh, the, uh, the way Martin Luther King spoke about, um, about the injustice and, you know, in his I Have a Dream speech and the way he brought that I Have a Dream speech together at the end where, you know, at the very end of it, we're all, you know, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are all free at last, holding hands. Uh, Douglas, uh, that was his style of speech too. He would sear the consciousness in the beginning and then he would just uh, kind of uh, bring it down. And so, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have time to go through the other ones, but uh, we'll close with that. Uh, what, what I do want you to just take out of this, uh, if, you know, I, I, think, I think Douglas is a, a must-read. I, I think Douglas and Booker T are must-reads. Uh, if you are looking at what's going on around us in society today, uh, it's amazing that Douglas addresses that in his speeches. Uh, I, uh, Douglas speeches are captured. Uh, Douglas believes in, um, in diversity. Uh, he believes in, you know, he wasn't a segregationist. He believed in people uh, going to church together, people worshiping together. Uh, he talks about that in his writing. And so uh, he is a, a definitely a must read. And so uh, I'll, I'll close with that. Uh, I apologize, it was probably a little discombobulated and uh, scattered brain, but uh, we'll, we'll close with that and, and we'll pray.